Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Okay, I was thinking, praying about what, what should we speak today? We've been in a, a series at Heaven Heights and didn't want to just continue that here for the sake of it. So I'm doing something rebellious and I'm not preaching Romans 12. Uh, at the moment at Heaven Heights, our main location, our team are banned from not uh, springboarding from there as we just keep keep diving in. And when we start getting bored of a particular scripture, that's the time where there's the opportunity to dig a little bit deeper and there is more gold that we haven't seen. And so anyway, we, we are here this morning and um, I think I've spoken this scripture here, but really felt we're going to go a different direction today uh, to share this for you. So Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. We're going Romans 12, so I'm still staying in the 12th chapter of the book, so that kind of works. So it's Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, and some of my, my favorite verses. And so you can look it up if you want, if you have a device, if you have a good old paper Bible. This is this beautiful and Love this classic. This case is a classic. Uh, Hebrews 12. And so I want to demonstrate something here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such simple opposition that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Now, I said that by memory. It doesn't mean that I live it perfectly every day. Just because you memorize the scripture doesn't mean we live in alignment with it. And let's just have a little bit of a look. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and it's it's talking about chapter 11, and you can read Heroes of Faith there in in chapter 11. Uh, Let us throw off everything that hinders. Throw off everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let's run with perseverance. Perseverance doesn't start until difficulty does. Uh, The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. And as I was just thinking and praying through this, even this afternoon, I'm going, Lord, would you forgive me for where I haven't? fixed my eyes on you as I've endeavoured to run this race. And woven into the the fabric of this verse and into the way our faith is designed, when our eyes are on Jesus, everything else takes on a different colour. When our eyes are on Jesus first, our circumstance looks different. Our Marriage looks different through the hue of Jesus. Your friendships, our time, our finances, is our eyes are first on Jesus. And so just because we could memorize the verse, though, doesn't mean that every single moment 
I would live that perfectly. And I want to encourage us today, and this message is very simple. It's all about having our eyes fixed on Jesus. And it's, it's called eyes of faith. And very simply, as our eyes are on Jesus, faith is relentlessly awakened inside of us. We look at Jesus and we see the world with eyes of faith. The world looks different as we see Jesus for who he is. As we remember who he is day by day by day. Eyes fixed on Jesus, and I want, to, I want to remind us here who our Jesus is. And as we, you know, as we, as we mark the seven-year anniversary for QB, as we, in a sense, dedicate this this new space, this new season, Lord, we want to make it emphatically clear that Jesus, this is your church, and you said that you would build your church. Lord, we thank you that you, you do that through people filled with your spirit. So I thank you for a church of people saying, yes, Jesus, here we are. And Lord, as we together gather today, we want to again declare that Jesus, you are the name above every other name. You are the one to be glorified. Your name is above every other. And so we want to stand. We want to settle it afresh in our heads and hearts. Jesus, would you be at the very center? Would you be the chief cornerstone? Would you be our focus, our eyes fixed on you? And our foundation has one name. It's Jesus. We have one good shepherd. His name is Jesus. There's a true light that came into the world. It's Jesus. God incarnate, Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Who is that? It's good you really get the message as we uh, keep going through. The one who called us and chose us before the creation of the world in accordance with his good pleasure and will. It's Jesus. The one who loved me first. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. The one name is higher than any other. The name above every other name is one name that echoes for eternity. It's his. It's the name of Jesus. There is... There is only one who is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is Jesus. That's right. He is the object of our seeking. It is you, Jesus. The penalty for my sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That was a tricky one, that one, though. Jesus is the one who suffered death in our place. He's the one whose name bears the scars and the crown. It's Jesus who conquered death on your behalf, my behalf. It's Jesus who made a way for God's grace to be lavished upon you and I. And from page 50 of Smith Wiggleworth's book, Ever Increasing Faith, our Christ is risen. He is a living Christ who indwells us. We must not have this truth merely as a theory. Christ must be risen in us by the power of the Spirit. The power that raised him from the dead must animate us. And this glorious resurrection power surges through your being. And you will be free from all your weaknesses and you will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
This is a resurrection power that God wants you to have and have it today. Why not receive your portion here and now? And so Jesus, we gather here in your name. We stand before you and Come on, let's have our hearts open. Lord, here we, here we are. Do a work in me. Do a work in us. Through Jesus, we can receive today strength of identity, love and joy, grace and generosity, clarity of calling, peace in the storm, faithfulness and focus, anointing to serve, courage and capacity, emotional robustness, and the list does not stop. To Jesus, let us... Surrender our yesterdays, our pain, sin, proclivities, striving, disappointments. To Jesus, let us surrender our today, our calendar, our feelings, our pressures, responsibilities, frustrations. Let us surrender our tomorrow in Jesus, our fears, hopes, our dreams, our calling. Sin's stains are washed away through the blood of it is finished and my freedom is secured because of the work of Jesus. I'm adopted into God's family through the work of Jesus. I approach God with freedom and confidence through faith in Jesus. My prayers are heard in heaven through my perfect mediator, and his name is Jesus. My problems, challenges, past, natural disposition are not bigger than the victory of Jesus. It just keeps going. It doesn't actually stop, really. If we were to write, we would write with no end. Jesus, would you orientate the loves of my heart with yours? Could you just close your eyes, just where you are? And I just want us to own this sense together. Jesus, would you orientate the loves of my heart to yours? Just say that under your breath, Jesus, would you orientate the loves of my heart? Let me love what you love. What you're passionate about, passionate about, passionate about. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is. Our love definer, our grace awakener, our life to the full giver, kingdom authority releaser, the disciple maker caller. He is with us always. He is our unshakable foundation. We cannot take our eyes off our Jesus. As we look at the storm around us in our world, we cannot take our eyes off Jesus. When we look at what would cause our legs to tremble beneath us, we must then ensure that our gaze goes back to where it belongs, on Jesus. And then we look differently at the storm because we know who is walking with us, whose power is alive with inside of us. What the world needs is a church who know how to have their gaze fixed on Jesus, not the frustrations or the noise or things that would be polarizing, but to be united in who he is 
without Jesus, there will always be endless opinions inside the church. Let them fall way below the authority of Jesus. And come back to the core things that are most central to his heart. So Lord, let us see you and let us see with eyes of faith. Consider him. So consider this Jesus, verse 3 tells us. Consider him who endured such sinful opposition, such opposition from sinners, that you will not grow weary or lose heart. So there's an essence here where if we've grown weary, if we've lost heart, it's because we've stopped seeing him, looking for him, embracing the majesty of who Jesus is. Seeing him fresh each day. Not the Jesus that you knew in the kids' church. It's him, but it's him fresh each day. And it's not a slight that you don't get married and stop getting to know your spouse on your wedding day. And we're talking about the creator of life. How much more is there to know, discover, enjoy? And so let's be alive in that pursuit. So as I'm talking through this, I just want strength to rise in you, Jesus. Yours. For you. Living for you. I want to see you. I want to see you. More of you. More of you. More of you. I know you, God. The power of your resurrection. I was talking to a beautiful lady in her eyes this morning. Her name's Leslie Sermon. I don't know, does anyone know how old Leslie is? 81. 81. She came to our pastor's prayer at 7.30 in the morning just because she's got an open invite to whatever she wants to come to. And so she just chose to come to church two hours early and gathered with us this week as we pray and she's just so passionate and can see her eyes smiling under her mask. She's always like this and she's got things that are sore in her body and things that are upsetting her in life but she just has this desperation and then, anyway so after the prayer meeting I just said Leslie and I just thank you for being around you. You're just a wonderful human and she just starts on this field. She starts preaching to me about how good her Jesus is. And she's like, I just love it. I just love Jesus. I just love church. I, I just, and it's genuine. She's not like just putting on some spin to impress the pastor. I got a little quick, what's some good Jesus stuff I can say? Talking to the pastor. Uh, it's funny, there was a funny moment actually just talking to one of our team, and, and uh, he was talking to someone in church last week or a week ago, and, uh, and their, their position is that they're kind of anti-vax and, and he was and Ben was like oh so how you going um not being able to go out places and how you feeling how's it he's like oh no I can still go out everywhere I just got a fake 
uh, a fake passport. And then it's like, as he was telling them, he's like, I'm talking to a pastor. Uh, I should sound more honest. Uh, and then he's trying to like work with Anyways. Good times. So Leslie was just saying, I just, my passion and desire is that I just want to know Jesus more. She said, I don't know how many years I have left. These are her words. I don't know how many years I have left, but I just want to know more. I want to see his power move through me in even greater quality. And I'm just like, man, I want to be like you, Leslie. And there are lots of reasons why we can get a little bit bitter. And why we can carry disappointments that would strip that away from us. And why we can let that beautiful glow that she has and brings this, this glorious sense of the kingdom wherever she goes. There are reasons why we could not have that. And none of them are from God's side of the fence because he just wants to lavish us in his love, pull us close, transform us more and more into the image of the Son. And God wants, wants that for us. And so let's be a people who, like Leslie, say, I just want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you more. Let that be the driving call inside of my heart. Jesus, I want to know you more. And through Jesus, I just want to talk just for a minute on the social impact of Jesus. You know, children are thought of differently as infinitely precious. And Jesus was a part of the turning point in that when he was walking on earth. And it was common practice to dispose of children on dung heaps. And Jesus is the one who says, bring the little children. To me, and he says, I want you guys talking to us grown ups, and oh, we need to be a little bit more like these, these little people. And, and laws started changing through the, through the second century. You know, Sunday school began in 1780, and there was this poverty, the, the cycle of ignorance and poverty and, and child labor, and it, it, was, it was terrible. The little kids were forced to work six days a week in absolute squalor, and Sunday school was their only day off, and it was like this free school that started. And this is the heart of Christians wanting to bless, have an impact in our world, and the stats on, on what that grew into was absolutely Crazy, And Jesus treated women not as inferior, revolutionary in his time, but with equal intellect and value and worthy of the same social privileges as men. Bonhoeffer wrote that Jesus gave women a human dignity. And all the ladies said, Amen. <laughs> uh, forgiveness and humility move from signs of weakness to acts of moral beauty through the example of Jesus. Macquarie Uni did a research project exploring how humility went from a despised weakness to an admired virtue. And quotes, the conclusion was clear. It derives from the peculiar impact of the Judeo-Christian worldview. Jesus dethroned pride and arrogance and flipped the narrative where titles are an opportunity to serve. Hospitals and relief efforts of all kinds sprung up from Jesus' followers. And, and in AD 165, an epidemic of smallpox killed around a quarter of the entire population. Less than a century later, an epidemic killing 5,000 people a day just in Rome broke out. The sick were just outcasts to die in isolation. And there was a third century bishop in Alexandria who wrote, Heedless of the danger, they took charge, this is speaking of Christians, 
They took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbours and cheerfully accepting their pains. You know, the insistence of universal literacy had a Christian heartbeat. That ignorance was a tool of the devil and that God is a God of truth. And so growing intellectually was a way of seeing to honour God and allows us to discover more about him. And libraries were then formed by followers of Jesus and guilds of learning established. And then Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Yale, 92% of the first 138 unis and colleges in the USA were birthed by followers of Jesus. Followers of an uneducated, never wrote a book carpenter called Jesus. You know, vast majorities of the pioneers of science were Christ followers, and they viewed their work as learning to think God's thoughts. And it's just the tip of the iceberg of the social impact, and I want you and I to think today that we are a part of the legacy of Jesus. We are his ambassadors here on planet Earth. And whether our names will be recorded in moments like that or whether it's small moments of a conversation with someone, an act of love, an act of grace or mercy, we are all called to be a part of this glorious bigger picture, to own the victory of Jesus and carry that into our lives in this day, in this time, and every single one of us to help bring something of his kingdom here to earth. And so, Lord, would you let your heart of love live in us? Would we be a people that would carry the victory of Jesus in a way that shapes our earth and our time here amongst us? And again, according to your gift and your call, where it comes out in your unique expression that God wove into you, but where we would see with eyes of faith our ordinary lives doing extraordinary things for Jesus. Ordinary, simple actions filled with something of the Spirit of God that can bring change into a moment or a hurting soul or our work context or our family or whatever it may be. So can you can you stand with me this morning? Lord, as we gather here today celebrating this moment, Lord, ultimately let everything be a celebration of you, Jesus. And Lord, I present myself again. We present ourselves here to you. And we say thank you that you loved us first. Thank you that while we were still sinners, Jesus, you died for us. And so we respond to your mercy, to your grace, to your sacrifice. We present ourselves and we say, Lord, would you help us run the race marked out for us? Lord, would you help us fix our eyes on you? God, would you empower us? 
and use us for your glory. Lord, would you help each and every person called to be a part of C3QB. Lord, would you let there be a definitive focus, eyes of faith rising, to see something of Jesus in his call, to see you afresh, mighty God, and the call that you have for them as an individual and on this house. Lord, those in this community that will be impacted. Lord, the things that you have called them to in the local, regional, and global community, Lord, let eyes of faith rise. And God, where our eyes have been lowered, we've been stuck on things that are temporal and temporary. Lord, would you help us to see you afresh and see this world through you. And so we glorify our Savior and our King. In your name we pray. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.